And we're live. It's my pleasure to welcome Philippa, the CX Director at L'Oreal, to this week's episode of CX Sales to learn about CX metrics, supporting your customers throughout COVID, and of course, Philippa's story. Philippa, do you want to give a quick intro? Sure, yeah. Hi, I'm Philippa. I'm the Customer Experience Director for the Professional Products Division within L'Oreal specifically, and for only the UK and Ireland. So we look after basically the professional products that service salons in the UK. We also have a couple of other channels, uh, indirect channel where we service through wholesalers, but also um, e-commerce as well. So quite a complex model, but a, a super interesting one. Amazing. Can't wait to find out more about it. So we love to kick off our episodes with a quick uh, sales pitch, a quick uh, CX pitch. And um, so what I'm going to do is I'll give you a hypothetical. And in a 30 second elevator pitch, I want you to answer that hypothetical. So imagine you are due to present to management about the importance of implementing a continuous feedback program across your B2B user journey. Due to some unforeseen circumstances, your presentation slot just went from 30 minutes to 30 seconds. You ready? Yep. Let me start the timer for you. And go. Okay, so happy and engaged customers spend up to 50% more frequently than those customers that don't. Also, they're more engaged with new products and um, new MPD, for example. So how do we get customers that are happy and engaged? Easy. We engage with feedback. So how do you know what your customers want unless you actually ask them? So feedback loops need to be always on. They need to be open. They need to be transparent and actionable. And it will drive growth. There we go. <laughs> right on time. Love it. <laughs> that was Amazing. short. Oh my I know. Gosh. It feels I like mean, it, doesn't it? <laughs> we have some guests prepare for it and like, you know, like think through what they're going to say. And then when you get into it, it's always like, oh, I just need five more seconds. <laughs> I love it. So, Philip, let me ask you this. What makes you great at CX? That's a tough question. I think that um, customer experience needs somebody who is has a growth mindset for a start. I think it's really important that uh, customer experience is a seamless journey. So not just through your interactions with your customer but a continuous journey and a continuous improvement journey. So you never finish. Customer experience is never done. It's never a tick box. Um, it's about optimizing the way you work with your customers on an always on basis. And I think coming from my background, solution um, orientated and problem solving is perfect for customer experience. So you mentioned solutions there. How do you measure the effectiveness of a solution? I think through feedback. I mean, in the last question, the elevator pitch, it's very right. much through um, making sure that you have your finger on the pulse, that you're always checking in to make sure that um, new tech tool or um, uh, uh, process improvement has landed mm -hmm. and is ineffective in the way that you want it to be. So there's only one way that you can understand that and it is through feedback. Yes, through CX metrics, but ultimately it is through engaging with your customers so that is the, the bedrock of everything customer experience in my opinion that's right so when it comes to actually quantifying that engagement quantifying that feedback what sort of methodologies do you tend to steer towards i know that mps is under quite a lot of criticism people don't like it uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they say it's not <laughs> not able to action anything from it but for me i would i really like actually the bringing together MPS as a measure mm -hmm. and qualitative feedback overlaying. So having mm -hmm. those two elements together, understanding your MPS across your customer journey, 
helps you to understand where your pain points are, but also, and maybe it's quite specific to our business model, mm -hmm. it helps you to understand where your B2B advocates are primarily. Right. So we have a very large customer base in the salon industry. We work with obviously a lot of stylists as well. Yeah. Um, and therefore, if you can utilize your NPS score effectively, you effectively have an army of B2B advocates that are out there doing mm -hmm. your bidding for you and championing you as a business. So yeah, it has many purposes, but I think it's it's in combination with that qualitative data that is the most effective. As you can see, okay, we have a problem over here with deliveries, right. but what is the problem? I don't know until you actually engage with the qualitative information we will most likely tell you. Very true, very true. So you did mention advocates there. I'm very mm -hmm. curious, how do you then leverage those advocates from your NPS scores? We're at the start of this journey in, in true honesty. Um, but I think the world's your oyster. I think that if you have um, champions who are willing to engage with you as a business, it mm -hmm. is unrestrained. Like you, you are self-fulfilling in terms of your business growth and your retention. Right. And you're also creating a club. You're creating a who wants to join us on this journey we are creating the future and also we're not the only ones telling you this your peer-to-peers are telling you this, and it's that's the most important that's interesting and so with the types of companies could you maybe elaborate a little more on the types of companies that you work with in particular with the peer-to-peer -peer model yeah exactly so we stylists um primarily so hairstylists um within salons or freelancers mm -hmm. Um, who shop in many different ways, you know, directly from us or through a wholesaler, for example. Right. So we have many routes to market. We have many channels that we engage with. So our customer journey and our um, ecosystem is incredibly complex. Mm -hmm. So understanding the customer journey is is a difficult, you know, it's no mean feat. It is, right. it is um, extremely complex. So trying to optimize each of these elements and digitalize and um, take everybody on that journey with you is, is incredibly complex. And I think that's why it's potentially not really been looked at through a customer experience lens before. Um, we're quite new in terms of measuring NPS. We're quite new in understanding our customer journey. And um, it's really enlightening. Um, I think that we have relied on what we think we knew for far too long and now we're actually listening and you know we're defining the future together with our stylists with our customers rather than us thinking this is what they need this is what they want and you know we're, we're relatively aligned but there are definitely some things that have been highlighted through my work to say okay we need to go further in, in taking taking them for a to b in understanding the shift towards digital, for example, or the shift towards not having window posters, but in all physical color charts, but having a digital version, not just because of our sustainability initiatives, but mm -hmm. also because, you know, this is the way the world is going. In terms of the role that you played in particular, were there any things that stood out as the most immediate wins, whether it's uh, tools, whether it's uh, specific processes that you help businesses with? I think it's a, I am the only customer experience professional in the division. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was across all of all of the the journey really. How can we support our customers at each touch point? Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that we have the right information to hand at each touch point? How do we um, 
accelerate areas which we know are going to be beneficial um, during this moment. Yeah. It's online education so that all the stylists can upskill whilst they are um, without clients to be servicing. Mm-hmm. Or be it um, looking at new ways to interact, so launching yeah. live chat or um, different selected day deliveries or you know, we we pay at checkout, home delivery. There's so many different initiatives that improve the customer experience that have happened in the last 12 months right you know everybody says it but actually you know we we accelerated 10 years in two months in terms of the digitalization offering (laughs) that's crazy but it's true and it wasn't a different path to what we'd already planned it was just an accelerated path interesting any for any company that's that's uh, still on the verge or on the edge of making that transition, any any wise words, any any learnings that you've taken from the past year? Building feedback loops to your project roadmaps. Honestly, I can't stress enough the importance <laughs> of collecting that feedback and adapting your strategy to what you're hearing. I can you know, I'm like a broken record with feedback, fine. <laughs> but, um, but honestly, so launching, for example, and an online ordering tool and actually prioritizing the functionality based on what our actual customers are telling us that they Mm -hmm. want meant that that um, acceleration of the tool was just beyond our wildest expectations in in all honesty and we had super users we had you know mass surveys we collected as much feedback as we can and we still are because you know, we're 50% there in the, the uptake of that particular tool. It just really sounds like the importance of the feedback loop is, is at the heart of it all. For me, it absolutely is. It, it really is. And it's the first thing that we established when we launched our CX program. So we've had about two, two and a half years of, of collecting customer feedback and tracking our MPS touchpoint scores and Amazing. listening in terms of qualitative information. And, and, um, it has been the, the sort of guiding light in all honesty <laughs> as we've gone through our transformation to date. I love that. And you, you led me right onto my next question as well with regards to your CX program. On a scale of one to 10, how mature would you say that your CX program is? In all honesty, I would say we are a five or a six. Okay. Yeah, so really middle of the road. Um, it's been two years since my role has been created. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is still so much more to be done in terms of getting into the granular detail of each of the customer journeys, because right. we have, as I said, a very complex model, a very complex ecosystem. Um, and to understand those micro improvements, there is still a lot of work to be done. Also linking CX um, to an ROI, mm-hmm. that's a big piece of work that um, we're starting to get our heads around, but it's, um, as you'll see, you know, from being a CX professional, there isn't concrete, um, you know, people struggle with that connection between ROI and CX oh, yeah. and implement it into their business and actually having it recognized because there is so many different, uh, you know, balls in the air when it comes to growth drivers. Yep. And customer experience is relatively new. So, yeah, to, to understand customer lifetime value, to understand the link of retention, to engaged, you know, B2B advocates, there is a lot to be done. And I think we're at the start of that journey. So, yeah, there's 
there's huge opportunity to develop. And I think that even though MPS is on, you know, everybody's KPIs from a global level, mm-hmm. um, as we said at the start, I like MPS, but it isn't no. the be all and end all of CX. Right. But, I mean, in your position, you almost have to utilize MPS because that is the language spoken within L'Oreal, right? It is, but I, you know, it, it's a good to have a benchmark. It's good to have sort of cross-border KPIs that are mm-hmm. you know, comparative. Um, but for me, it's the only measure that identifies those real uh, those real B2B advocates at the top, but also the flight risks. Yep. You know, it's quite an, a, a harsh measure in terms of zero to six being your flight risks. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, I think it... it you know, in, in a model where you've got a lot of customers to digest, actually being able to say, okay, we can give those, that subgroup that have responded this month some TLC. That's right. Um, and drive your retention numbers at the same time, working to optimize and um, expand your B2B advocate network mm-hmm. through your promoters. It's the only real measure that, that splits those two, uh, groups of, or two segments yeah. very clearly in my mind so that yeah. we can have an action because I'm very action orientated. So there is a <laughs> definite action to be I taken can, each I, of those groups. I can tell by your answer when I ask you one to 10, you're like, here we are. And here's what we need to do to get to 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Philippa, let's jump into the quick fire five question round. I'll give you five questions. Answer as quickly as you can. Okay. First and foremost, favorite example of CX outside of your industry? Obviously. Uh, with COVID, there's a limit to what we're doing. <laughs> but I would say genuinely, I think Ocado are doing really well. Oh, wow. And yeah, I and it's not because Weekly Shop is the only thing in my life right now. But <laughs> um, I think that they transitioned recently between M&S and uh, Waitrose. And they just did a brilliant job at it. They matched every single Waitrose SKU, which must have expanded their M&S portfolio by thousands. Right. They made sure all of your favorite lists were updated. Um, they obviously have a great service offering. They have a great UX. Um, but there's one like cherry on the, the cake, which I think is very true to that industry, but also transferable to ours. And that is that every single delivery driver is the nicest, friendliest person <laughs> that you've ever met. And honestly, they don't compete on price. And yet every person I know uses a cardo. Love it. What's your biggest pet peeve with CX as a business discipline? I'd say it's this ROI piece. I would say that the challenge that we have in breaking through the traditional drivers of ROI and growth and having, you know, sort of an isolated, the challenge in isolating what CX delivers in terms mm-hmm. of growth to the business is my biggest pet peeve. What are your favorite online resources to stay up to date with the news in the industry? I think there could be more. In all honesty, can someone do a masterclass? Because that would be great. <laughs> um, but no, the, the usual measures, um, I haven't got a specific podcast on CX I listen to, but I, I, you know, Marketing Weekly and I flick through LinkedIn articles. But yeah, masterclass would be great. So if you want to diversify. <laughs> no worry, Philippa, we'll make it happen. Season three. <laughs> Stay tuned, everyone. What's the one book you would recommend to the audience and why? It doesn't have to be CX related. I'd recommend Growth Mindset. I'd have to come back to you in the author, but it is, um, it really flips on its head, you know, the opportunity to develop personally and um, professionally uh, through 
thinking almost in a childlike way. You know, your world's your oyster and nothing is unachievable. Uh, it's a really fascinating book. But within CX, I'd also have a quick read of uh, Delivering Happiness because I think that the no Zappos model. Right oh, is it right there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Zappos um, model is really fascinating and they were truly pioneers. And last question. What's your favorite CX statistic? That um, I think it was McKinsey have said that in the B2B world, um, they expect CX industries that focus on CX or brands that focus on CX mm-hmm. have a uh, revenue of 10 to 15 percent more than those that don't. All right, Philippa. So um, for the last segment, let's jump into your story and find out how you got to where mm-hmm. you got to. Your journey started off in supply chain, right? How did you make that transition towards CX? Actually, it started, I mean, I um, started in financial forecasting and oh. I did a bit of purchasing as well. So yeah, um, forecasting transferred to uh, product forecasting at Coty and um, I was there for a couple of years and then I switched to L'Oreal and I was in yeah, supply chain for seven of the what will be nine years um, at L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. And um, there is so much, so many synergies between supply chain and um, customer experience. I think Amazon obviously really changed the game and making supply chain a competitive advantage. Oh, yeah. I think that, you know, everybody's looking at the investment in supply chain and the service sector to drive growth, being the interactions with your customers in customer care um, and the tech that can support that, mm-hmm. be it the uh, the expectation of the customers, not just in B2C world, but in B2B as well, yep. of ASOS and um, Amazon and, and these online retailers that have been designed and built around having this slick deliveries and slick um, supply chain services mm-hmm. that actually it has really brought supply chain into the light in terms of what it can offer and and the growth and support it can build for your brand. Um, and you know what? It's also made, in my opinion, direct to consumer businesses and customers of that really fickle. Mm-hmm. And I've started to see it filter in a little bit in terms of uh, that changeability and switching brands based on a service offering right. into the B2B sphere. And it's something that we have to have on our radar. And it was on my radar in supply chain that, you know, this is why people say that they leave is because they have a bad experience. And if they have a bad experience, it's very difficult to overcome. So there is a huge opportunity to grow and develop your supply chain to drive your retention figures. So that is why supply chain has been so helpful in me as a CX professional. Um, But then as I transitioned into customer experience, I realized that supply chain is one pillar and one touch point in a whole plethora of touch points, especially in our complex ecosystem. So, the transition meant that I have a very good understanding about our processes, our customer care, our supply chain, our delivery options, mm-hmm. and the platforms that support those. Um, and I was very clear on within that section of our business and our touch points with our customer, what improvements needed to be taken forward and, and um, 
all of the customer feedback then supported that, which was fantastic. And we That's could right. prioritize what we were going to improve in that touch point based on the customer feedback. But then I had a huge learning curve because there was a huge area of our business that I hadn't had, you know, a massive amount of exposure to mm -hmm. um, when I was, you know, focused on supply chain. So very quick, uh, exponential learning curve for me to get on <laughs> to understand, okay, so not only do I need to understand this next touch point, I need to then understand how to improve it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that in supply chain, you're very solution orientated you're very pragmatic you're very um strategic already because you in l'oreal you don't always have the biggest budgets to work with you often yep. get problems to fix um and um yeah it very much gets you into this mindset that that you open doors you unblock things there's always a solution and then applying that to the other touch points that i was then understanding more and more as time went on that i could support those teams to build a roadmap that was going to improve the customer journey but based on prioritization of customer feedback so it definitely gave me a good groundwork in how to cut through the noise mm -hmm. and understand what needs to be achieved at each of these different steps and what's also going to make the biggest impact because not all touch points for our customers have the same weight and value you know they're very much um prioritize based on what's important to that customer in that moment. And I think with that, we can wrap up the episode, uh, Philippa. Any parting thoughts before we do? I think just my parting thought is that, um, you know, digitalization is inevitable. Um, it is a great thing. But in our industry and in many other industries, it is really that human to human connection that it is what I identify with Ocado in mm -hmm. terms of the customer experience, the delivery driver. It is, we cannot lose sight of the fact that people engage with people. People draw connections from other people, not so much through digital touch points. So we have to move forward understanding that there is a balance to be met um, a blend between the online and offline that needs to be optimized to make sure that your customer experience journey is um, personalized and it is engaging and you are you have happy customers because yeah sometimes a robot doesn't cut it <laughs> i love that philippa thank you so much for joining this episode a real pleasure to have you, you. and to everyone else if you enjoy the convo follow cxls on linkedin for regular weekly content and episodes to next time